that way. Um, but I don't want to preach today about where we're going to go as a church, and I don't want to preach about uh, what we're going to do as a church. Um, what I want to do is reflect today on who we are as a church, who we are. Um, yeah, I hope that we will go somewhere, and I hope that we will do some things, um, but all of that will flow from how God has made us. So here's the big idea for today. We see how God has called us in the way that God has made us. We see how God has called us in the way that God has made us. If your internet dies and your computer crashes right now, you have gotten everything you need to know about the word today. We see how God has called us in the way that God has made us. Or to use more like academic language, um, identity is the core of vocation. So if that speaks to you, if you're a wordsmith and you like those, you know, hoity-toity words, identity is the core of vocation. We see how God has called us in the way that God has made us. God's invitation is never to become something we're not. It is always to say yes to who God has already made us. Um, that's true in ordinary times, okay, when, when we can kind of recognize the world around us um, and feel like we have a handle on the rules of reality. Um, and it's also true in extraordinary times, like the ones we're living in right now. Like when the world was literally unrecognizable for a week, right? I didn't know where I was. Um, and with everything else going on, I won't list the headlines. Everything else going on feels like that handle I had on reality has busted all the way off. If you feel me, say amen. Let me see some hands. My handle on reality is gone, folks. What I want to say is that even in times like these, and actually maybe even more so in times like these, it is crucial that we lean into this truth. We see that God has called us in the way that God has made us. So uh, this summer, I got to enjoy the gift that you gave to me. Nine weeks away to rest and be renewed and, and consider God in my life. Um, and it's pretty unusual to take a ministry leave in the midst of a pandemic. You know, I, I, did, I had colleagues who just said, I'm going to wait till this is over. Um, and I'm like, folks, I can't wait. I just, nah, I'm going to do this right now. Um, but it was deeply necessary for me in spite of the extraordinary circumstances. And I think it was really necessary for our church. And I'm excited about what happened here while I was gone and the ways that you all stepped up and, and created this place and made it your own. Um, and in the same way, um, while it feels harder to do some deeper reflection about our identity as a church in the midst of what feels like a constant state of crisis, um, my hope is that these reflections will guide us as we go forward. Um, I wish this week was the last crisis we're gonna face this year. It's not. We got a whole bunch scheduled. So um, let's get ready to think about our identity um, with the reality that we're gonna do so in extraordinary circumstances. Um, so like I said, while I was gone this summer, I got to do a lot of reflecting on my own identity and how God has made me. Um, and I also got to do some reflecting on our identity as a church and how God has made us. 
So in August, when I came back, I was able to share those reflections with the vision and ministry team. Um, then we kind of discussed and explored. We sort of, you know, refined and, and chopped it up together. I think that's how the kids say it. We chopped it up. Uh, what emerged from these conversations was three priorities um, that we want to guide us as we live together and follow Jesus together in this extraordinary time. Um, but that said, I am a Bible preacher. So I'm going to preach some Bible this morning, um, and I'm going to preach from a really uh, well-known text. Okay, so drum roll, please. Big build up. This is the story of David and Goliath. It's like the first Bible story that a lot of kids hear. I don't know why we start with that one, but it's just, ah. Um, so, you know, uh, it's super well-known. Uh, referenced throughout art, throughout history. Um, like all popular things, the story of David and Goliath, uh, we get so used to it that we stop paying attention to what it is. Um, so in just a minute, um, Johnny's going to read the scripture for us. And Johnny, if you can get that ready, bud. Um, and I want to invite us, as Johnny reads, to pay attention as the scripture is read and to pay attention to this story of identity and calling in the midst of extraordinary times. Um, so let me bring us up to speed. Uh, the armies of the neighboring uh, nation Philistia have come into Israelite land. They're threatening invasion. Uh, King Saul, who's the tallest man in Israel, and that's like a unique qualification for king in that system. Um, systems aren't perfect. We'll just put that out there. Um, King Saul gathers his army to face them. But instead of sending the two armies against each other, the Philistines propose ritual combat, which was a regional tradition at that time where uh, the biggest, baddest warrior of one army goes up against the biggest, baddest warrior of the other army. And, and the, it's actually a beautiful indigenous protocol because it saves bloodshed. Those two warriors uh, serve as proxies for their people. Um, the winner gets to conquer and enslave the other nation um, with a much less bloody conflict. Um, however, there's a little snag in this system because Saul, the biggest, baddest warrior in Israel, won't fight because he's scared of Goliath, who is bigger and badder. So now the whole thing is stalled, and for weeks, all day, Goliath is trash-talking Israel and trash-talking their God. Now, in the midst of that insane filibuster, or whatever's happening, um, David shows up, a teenage boy who is too young to go to war. And he sees what's going on. And David experiences such a deep conviction that things are wrong that he wants to get personally involved. And that's what happens in this section of the story. So as Johnny reads, I invite us to give our full attention to the reading of God's word. Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. 
Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said, so Saul said to David, Go and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David in his, with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor. He tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. He took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand and drew near the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, I am a dog, that you come to me with sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come with me, um, to me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you with the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army to the, on this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for reading that long passage, Johnny. Let's pray together. Living God, uh, in this extraordinary time, and we thank you that you are with us. And we thank you for your word that reminds us that this is not the first extraordinary time. This is not the first disaster. This is not the first uh, political insanity. Um, this is not the first. But you have been with your people in all this mess. Um, so speak to us now about our identity, about our calling, about the way you have made us. And in all these things, I pray, Spirit of God, I speak through the word of God to the children of God. And we all said, Amen. Amen. I didn't hear you, but I, I was looking for the lip reading, so I appreciate that. I, um, I, I miss hearing back from you. I do. Um, we see how God has made it. We see how God has called us. We see how God has called us in the way that God has made us. Um, and because... The way that God has made us is the way that God has called us. We are free to confess. To confess what we're good at. To confess what we need. And to confess what we want. What we're good at. What we need. And what we want. I'm going to be speaking about our church today. 
but just know that these things also apply to our individual journey. Um, so even as you're, uh, as I want to share about our journey at Access, um, I pray that the Lord will speak to you about uh, what this word has for your own life. And just know that those two things work together. Uh, God, God doesn't try to snap us apart so that we can be part of God's plan somehow. It's, it's all one thing. So let us all speak to you. Um, along the way, I'm going to ask you to participate in the chat. So I'm going to ask a few questions. So don't go to sleep on me. I, I may need some notes from you. Um, but check out verse 28. Uh, Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor, and he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. Um, David is going into battle. And Saul knows a lot about battle and has been in many battles. And so he tries to give David what he knows about battle. Um, but David doesn't know anything about Saul's world, doesn't know how to use the equipment Saul has for him. It doesn't even fit. Uh, David's a 13-year-old boy, and Saul is the tallest man in Israel. And these people don't need the same things. They can't participate in the same way. Uh, we are hit with, uh, at minimum, thousands, I don't know, it feels like millions of messages every single day telling us to fit into a certain mold. Uh, it happens to us as individuals, and it happens with churches too. And it has certainly happen, happened to me uh, in the midst of church planting. When we look at someone who's doing something and something in us says, ah, I wish I had that. I wish I could be that. I wish I could do that. Anybody? Anybody feel this? Oh, man, I have to check myself sometimes on social media, right? Where you're like, ah, I'm looking at the best part of your life and comparing it to the worst part of mine and wishing I was something I'm not. Um, we are hit with those messages. The messaging is intoxicating. It's overpowering. But when we say yes to those expectations, as David did, we find ourselves unable to walk. We find ourselves incapacitated. We find ourselves constricted, inauthentic, and in danger. But David is so real that he realizes that. As soon as he realizes, I can't walk in this stuff. You're telling me this is what it means to, to be who I am and to do what I need to do. But this is not working for me. So David is able to stick to where he has already seen God at work. You feel me? He is able to reject those false expectations because he remembers God has already worked in my life. And God didn't work by giving me cutting edge equipment or public support, or even the support of my family. David remembers that God has worked in his life when he has used the humble tools of a shepherd to do the humble and demanding work of a shepherd. And he tells Saul, I'm sorry, king, I can't even walk in your stuff, man. Let me get my staff. Let me get my sling. Let's go. In the midst of whatever expectations we might bring to our lives, or the life of our church. Let's own the way that God has made us. Amen? I want, uh, I want the first priority, the first priority I want to bring up this year is the priority of transformation. 
because God is at work in this church as we are being transformed in relationship with Jesus. Transformation in relationship with Jesus through spiritual discipline. We are being transformed as we seek God in the Word every Sunday. I know sometimes we don't feel like clicking on this call. We don't feel like we can kind of like get it together, uh, but we are being transformed in this place. Our breakout rooms, um, I've experienced this and I've heard back from you all, our breakout rooms have been holy ground where we have allowed the word to form us. We have allowed one another's insights and questions and prayers for our lives to transform us in the midst of the extraordinary pressure of the time we're living in. We're being transformed as we meet and follow Jesus together in small groups. That's just another place where transformation is happening. And so since that's what God is already doing, let's own that. Let's do those things and let's do them well. Let's prioritize transformation in relationship with Jesus through our spiritual disciplines together. Um, I'm praying. I want to ask you to pray and let's work together towards spiritual growth opportunities for every kind of household. All right, I'm talking about individuals. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about married. I'm talking about not married. I'm talking about raising kids. I'm talking about not raising kids. I'm talking about men, women. I'm talking about people of color. I'm talking about white folks. Let's have spiritual growth opportunities for every kind of individual and every kind of household who God would bring to us. Um, In our Sunday gatherings, let's let the word speak to issues we're dealing with right now. This is an extraordinary time in history, and we have the best book in the history of the planet, and what a silly and ridiculous thing it would be to not allow God's word to speak into this critical moment of our history as a people. Let's allow the word to speak to issues we face right now. In our breakout rooms, let's choose authenticity and let's choose vulnerability so that we can be open to transformation. In our small groups, um, and and we're starting a couple new small groups if you receive the email. In our small groups, um, let's, uh, let's serve each other practically and let's help each other grow in the Jesus way. My hope is that everybody on this call, um, everybody who God brings to this church, everybody who who God will bring at some point in the future, that we would be able to move from observing what's happening here to participating in what's happening here, ultimately to leading and creating this place together um, through these intentional steps of growth in following Jesus. Um, We sometimes call that discipleship, right? That's not a word that, that we've used a lot at Access, but it means intentional steps of growth in following Jesus. So we do have a social function, right? We need to connect in relationship with each other. And we also have a social impact when we participate in God's work, work of loving the world. There's an impact. But um, first and foremost, we are a people being transformed in relationship with Jesus, And let's remember that as we consider how God has made us. And this is where I'd love to hear from you in the chat. Um, If you're seeing spiritual transformation or you're experiencing spiritual transformation in our church, let's just list together 
a few places where we're seeing that. Enter some of those. Small group, amen. Yeah, yeah, I think those of us who are in small groups are experiencing that. Yeah. Well, for David, uh, rejecting that false identity uh, that others put on him is just the first step. Because after he owns what he's good at, he has to own what he needs. Look, he's a great shot with a sling, but he literally has no ammunition for it. So he has to get his stuff together. He has to get his stuff together. And thank you for those of you who are continuing to add in the chat. Take a look at that, folks. It's good stuff. But David has to get his stuff together. He has to get what he needs. So he grabs five smooth stones. David has to get his stuff together. And family, so do we. So hopefully something you'll notice in the next year is you'll notice us working on getting organized in order to be healthy. So our next priority for the year is health. And I want to say that um, at this time, we are the healthiest we've ever been. I mean, we, we celebrated our seventh birthday in March. We'll celebrate our eighth birthday next year. We are the healthiest we've ever been. And I've said this before, but I'm going to keep saying it because we need to celebrate this. This vision and ministry team, that's Chris and Bonnie and Sherry, um, Sherry and Aaron and Steve, this Vision and Ministry team is the healthiest group of leaders I have worked with in my life. Uh, every one of you, VMT, every one of you is capable of leading a church-wide uh, ministry initiative. And not a single one of you needs to be the center of attention. And talking with, because uh, let's face it, as leaders, sometimes we like to be the center of attention. That is a liability that uh, leaders sometimes deal with. Um, talking with my pastor friends, um, they have confirmed my suspicion that this is unusual. Uh, Vision and Ministry team, you are an unhealth, uh, you are an unusually, excuse me, an unusually healthy group of leaders. Um, so I am geek level excited about the health of this team and this church, because I believe that we are getting even healthier as we get our stuff together and get organized. So here's some stuff um, that I want us to look for. Um, we want to be leaders, um, all of us who are leading. We want to be physically and emotionally and spiritually and relationally healthy. We want to be developing uh, leaders of color with the hope that half of our leaders, half of our people up front, and ultimately half of our church will be people of color. Um, not by pushing white folks out, by the way, but by serving and by engaging people of color together. Amen. Amen. I need to see your amen on that. Um, which means we also need to be engaging new people in discipleship. Look, I know some of us are introverts, but the family of God has an ever-expanding relational circle. All right? God's arms are always widening and embrace for the whole planet. So let it also be with us, Access. Let's expand our relational circle with the help of the Holy Spirit. Let's be a church that makes Southeast Portland curious about Jesus and that as a result, our relational circles would be expanding to families, to people of color, to women of color, to children that are not here yet, inviting them to walk with us in this process of being transformed in relationship with Jesus. 
Health means growing our relational circle. And health means getting organized. Somebody say organized. Woo! Yeah, a few of you are excited about that. A couple are scared, but the organized people, they're like, oh, praise Jesus. Yes, Lord. Uh, all right, so just a few things about that. We want a budget that is a public document that reflects our goals and values. I'm talking about a goal of total financial transparency and integrity. Chris Gustafson is waving her hands. Uh, she is so helpful as we move towards this. Um, we also want clearly defined expectations for ministry and leadership roles. Um, right now, everyone just does everything. So we just kind of want to, we want to tighten that up, fam. Um, we want clear expectations for, for spiritual growth and community. You know, what does it look like? What does discipleship look like here? What does it mean that Jesus is forming us into his image? Um, what can we expect? Um, and we even want, check this out, uh, clearly defined expectations for our organization. I'm talking about constitution. I'm talking about bylaws, baby. Now, most folks don't get excited about that stuff, but it becomes important as we mature. And it is a way to pursue equity together. So um, I'm going to ask for your help with that. And what about, what about technology? Okay, look, if, if a great technological setup was important to you, you are not on this call. You, just, you would be at some other church, okay? You would be gone. Um, but, um, you know, the truth is technology matters. It matters a lot. Um, I know that myself, um, I am more likely to have a conversation with people online than I am to have a conversation with the people next door. That's just my reality. I'm trying not to judge it. I actually do know my neighbors and I do talk to them, but I talk to people online more. Anybody else? Anybody? Yeah, okay. We're a little embarrassed, but we know it's true. It's mostly true, okay? Um, so, um, you know... That's our reality. And here's another reality. What our church has to offer this city is good. It is really good. We are meeting needs in the soul and in the neighborhood. And I just want to say, let's utilize technology to share those good gifts. So if you know something about sermon audio, social media, website, hit me up. Let's talk about how to use technology uh, to follow Jesus together and to love our neighbors. Amen? So as we confess what we're good at and we confess what we need, um, it becomes important that we also confess what we want. Because what we want is the why we are here. What we want is the deepest passion. It is the thing that gets us up in the morning and keeps us on this trail. Uh, verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel.
David says what he wants. David says what he wants. He wants this giant defeated so that God's people will be free and everybody will know that God's way is the way. And David is so passionate about it. He's willing to risk pain. He's willing to risk death. So I'm going to ask you a question and I would love to see your response uh, to the chat. By the way, the chat blew up, which is awesome. I can't wait to look look at that uh, when we're done here. Uh, um, here's my question that I'd love to see in the chat now. If someone were to ask you, what does Access really care about? And I want to hear from everybody, regardless of how long you've been here. If someone asked you, what does Access really care about? What is your church passionate about? What would you say? Go ahead, start start throwing some things in the chat. Oh, I see some people shifting and typing. Shifting and typing. What does Axis really care about? Social justice, spirit, service, Jesus and justice, diversity, authenticity, social justice and community action. One word, justice. Ooh, three words, Jesus, justice, Portland community, justice and service, love, vulnerable peoples. Whoo, spiritual, I love it. Spiritual and emotional health. Using our resources together to have a collective impact. Whoo, that is some uh, elegant sociology, Bonham family. Okay, everyone, I encourage you to take a look at these things. And I feel that most of what I'm seeing here reflects what the vision and ministry team and I discussed. We said, you know what? What we are good at in this world is facilitating spiritual transformation through relationship with Jesus. Um, and, and what we need is to get our stuff together and be better organized. But what we care about is justice. And there's a lot of ways to say justice. Dr. Cornell West says, justice is what love looks like in public. So, Eddie, I would say, yes, justice is love. And, Megan, justice is challenging the status quo. So, I would say that is justice. And justice is caring for vulnerable peoples, Alex. So, I would say that is justice. And language is limited. But if I had to build a chart, I would say justice. And if we were in the room together, I would say, what do we want? Justice! Yeah. When do we want it? Come on, Eddie. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Amen. Amen. Uh, look, what that will mean for us is that we will seek to embody the hands and feet of Jesus to our community in the little ways that God allows, even as our neighborhood is the face and presence of Jesus to us. You know, I love it when our relational connections with Folks on the margins have allowed us to meet direct needs. Like when you shared your stimulus checks with undocumented friends, glory to God. Um, or providing practical support to our neighbors and to each other as you have done and continue to do throughout this pandemic. Or all the things that we did this week. Check this out. This week, uh, we facilitated an interfaith coalition of neighbors providing lunches to houseless neighbors, all right? We uh, made a bunch of progress 
on supporting black-owned businesses by creating the Little Free Library. Glory to God. Uh, almost, It felt like almost randomly, um, eight of us went out to Rose City Futsal yesterday to help load trucks with fire relief supplies. Um, just beautiful ways that we have gotten to show up for our neighbors. Um, we pray in the name and spirit of Jesus, we get to show up for our neighbors. And I'd love for us to continue to be part of intergenerational groups uh, serving on projects that reflect the values that we hold as a community. I'd love to bless and serve organizations uh, that are led by people of color, that serve people of color. I'd love for those same community leaders to encounter Jesus through their relationships with us. That's what I want. So what do we want? When do we want it? Amen. I can almost hear you. I can almost hear you. Um, it came up um, in the prayer chat. Um, like so many of you with the news this week, right? I was, I was honestly so devastated on Tuesday um, when I read the news of uh, ICE performing unwanted hysterectomies on women in detention. I mean, it wrecked me. I, I couldn't make a good decision for the, for the rest of the day. And so I'm trying to write this sermon and I'm texting the Vision and Ministry team and I'm trying to communicate in some way. I feel terrible. What's going on in our uh, detention centers right now is a calculated effort to traumatize a community for multiple generations. Um, it is a calculated effort to destroy the well-being to destroy the future, and to destroy the families of a people group. And it's not the only effort of its kind happening right now, but it's one that struck me deeply. And it's something that we have done before, as a nation, to women of color. Sterilizing black women without consent after childbirth. And I just learned this, between 1930 and 1970, the U.S. government sterilized one out of three Puerto Rican women. One out of three. Can you imagine that madness? And so this week, as I learned about what was happening in these detention centers that are overcrowded and at record levels because of the changes in policy and procedure that have been implemented in the last few years, I was destroyed. But I wasn't surprised. But I'm also grateful and someone, uh, Aaron mentioned this er, er, earlier, I'm grateful for where we see light. I'm grateful for the witness of a woman like Don Wooten, the nurse who came forward with the information. And I invite you, family, when you think of the name Don Wooten, pray for that woman. Because so often it has been black women, black women who have called out the injustices of the world, and it is at risk to more than her reputation. So please pray for her. But like Miss Wooten, we want to live and I want to live in a world where this kind of thing doesn't happen. I want to live in a world where this kind of thing doesn't happen. And, and I want to live in a world where the people of God are uh, the people called the church, that we are unmistakably at the side and on the side of the vulnerable and oppressed. That's the world I want to live in, where there is no doubt where the people of Jesus stand, that we stand with the vulnerable and the oppressed. 
And I want this tiny little church in, in this neighborhood, in the classroom, in the boardroom, in the hospital. I'm hitting my stuff. I'm shaking the computer because this is how much I want it. Okay? Uh, the job site, in the church, and in the streets. Access, I want us to look at the giants of injustice and I want to say to them, I'm going to strike you down. I'm going to cut off your head. I'm going to feed your flesh to wild animals. And everybody's going to know that God's way is the way. This is how God made me. This is what I need. And that's what I want. I'm not talking about physical violence. I know you Portlanders, some of, some of us get a little crazy. That's what I'm talking about. We follow Jesus. We don't follow King David. We worship Christ, not the Bible. But I want us to have the same boldness, the same authenticity that God put in David so that we can live in these extraordinary times and say, oh, Jesus, this is how you made me. Jesus, this is what I need. Jesus, this is what I want. And when we do that, may his name, the name of Jesus, the name of the colonized and crucified king, may his name be on our mind and on our lips and on our hearts. Because it's his presence, his power, his passion that makes us who we are, that gives us what we need and leads us to what we want. And the way that God has called us is the way that God has made us. Amen.